When Robert and Gary called me to do the intros of this season's podcast, my first reaction was absolutely, because Robert and I used to be roommates in college, so anything for a friend. But what really sealed the deal was when Gary took me out hunting for Cornish game hens and promised to compensate me with a generous $12,000 bonus for each episode. Gary, you sandbagging son of a gun. I love you with all my heart and soul. Welcome to the RGGEDU podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink with the best photographers in the business. Season 5 of the RGGEDU podcast is brought to you by Tenba, who 25 years ago set out to create the most durable, versatile, and well-made bags in the world for photographers and for filmmakers. From shipping to transport, rolling in air cases, to shoulder and messenger bags, day packs and accessories, Tenba never compromises, and neither should you. In this episode, we're finally sitting down with Michael Bonacore. It's about time. He's like the international man of mysteries, meets James Bond, meets MacGyver, meets Ansel Adams. And <laughs> Dude, that's one hell of a description. <laughs> But what about the beard? Any of yeah. those guys have a beard? You get Grizzly Not Adams. Not like that. In. Yeah. Let's throw a little Grizzly Adams. Grizzly in there. Adams. You're out in the wild. Grizzly man. Adams did have a beard. <laughs> you're you're out in the Arctic. You're fighting polar bears and stuff, right? I'm winning against polar bears. Damn, I'm winning. There's no fighting. When's the last time you woke up <laughs> bleeding? Uh, this morning, actually. <laughs> yeah, really. What? Tell us about that. Apparently, last night got a little wild. Did it really? No. Well, where Not you, too wild. Where were you bleeding from? Um, nose, ear. Yeah, <laughs> your ear. I don't know what happened, but <laughs> what your ear? That takes skill. <laughs> Look, man, I'm a man of many skills. Bleeding from my ear is definitely one of them, and a man of mystery too. You don't even know why you were bleeding or All what right. happened. I don't. Yeah, I uh, yeah went out to a bar and typical New York night. You wind up bloody, bloody. Yeah, that's PPE for you, people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So how do you? How would you describe? What would you say you do here? What? Type of photography, video, what is it? Uh, I kind of do it all. I'm a jack of all trades. I'm uh, I'm technically here at Photo Plus Expo, representing Resource Travel, which is a division of Resource Magazine. Mm-hmm. So I'm the travel editor for Resource Magazine, and and Alex, the awesome owner of Resource, she hired me to be the um, travel editor to do print pieces in the magazine. And I realized that there was a way bigger demographic than just photographers and filmmakers. So I started a travel division of the magazine, which kind of caters more towards um, photographers, filmmakers, and people who just love travel, who love beautiful travel stories, interesting travel stories, inspirational travel stories. And yeah, so I started Resource Travel. And technically, I'm here representing Resource Travel, but I'm also... You know, here bleeding out of your ear, I'm bleeding out of my ears, and getting in bar fights. Getting, in... <laughs> yeah, Jimmy's Corner, man. That, that was a wild place. <laughs> that's where you were last night. Yeah, Jimmy's that's where Corner. I was. It, it's a Jimmy's Corner for uh, obviously a, he was a boxer, so you've got to get oh. into at least oh, one bar yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah. is it you're physically Jimmy's on the corner of some street? No. Oh, that wouldn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> What, so what the other Jimmy's, Jimmy's mid-block is what they should call it. <laughs> so how'd the other guy wake up? Um, Next to you? I'm not even sure if he has woken up yet. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, it's so, only four o'clock in the afternoon. All right, so let's go back. When did you start kind of referring to yourself or doing travel photography? How'd you get into it? Because that seems like a dream job. Yeah, how'd you get in this business? Oh man, it's hard to remember. There's been a lot of beers drank in between the, uh, when I started and now. But to the best of my recollection, uh, about ten years ago, 2007, I didn't know anything about photography, and I found. A picture online, I was researching a trip to Costa Rica, which coincidentally was my first trip out of the country. So as much as I travel now, my first trip out of the U.S. actually didn't occur until I was 27 years old, Mm -hmm. which kind of surprises people when they see how much I travel now. They think I've been doing this all my life, but I didn't even have a passport until I was 27. And so I found this picture of Costa Rica, and it was beautiful, and I kind of got in my head, like, wow, I kind of want to take pictures like that in Costa Rica. So I learned very basic photography, very basic composition, very basic editing. Uh, back then, I used to do HDR, which <laughs> I look back at my old photos and I'm like, man, yeah, those were horrible. Yeah. yeah, but that was such an interesting phase because the the hyper realism was so new and like mm-hmm. dynamic range, and it was like. Wow, what is it? How do you do yeah, that? How do you get that? But yeah. then it was just like so quick. You're like, ooh, that was like a bad, yep. bad '80s haircut. You're yep. like, oh, <laughs> well, shit. Yeah, I mean, the 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 thought process around it still makes sense to this day, and I still use the HDR process, meaning combining images. HDR literally means just combining different exposures and taking the best parts of each exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what happened back in the day was at Photomatix, which was the main HDR program. People started using that, and they started using those, you know, Effects. pre-made filters, which made them look really baked, like yeah. really Picasso, so high on acid. It was, you know, that kind of look where, and people started doing that, and it just kind of became the norm, and that was known as HDR, but in reality, HDR is just a, a very simple process that you shouldn't even notice. It's yeah. HDR. It's just combining all the... Yeah, it's making sure, sure you get all the shadow detail, all the yeah. highlights, all the midtones. Mm-hmm. Everything is all perfectly balanced and beautiful. Exactly. And I still do that today, but obviously in a very Different. clean yeah. <laughs> manner. Uh, but yeah, so 10 years ago, found this photo, fell in love with it, wanted to learn how to do that. So I took a really crappy Canon point-and-shoot camera. I think back then they were like two, three megapixel, maybe four. And I took this camera down to Costa Rica and... I think I was there three weeks, road tripped around the entire country, taking photos the whole time, and they all sucked. But at the time, I thought they were cool, and <laughs> I guess they were cool, and they really captured... At the time, kinda, they were. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah, I do uh, very few. So that hard drive is long gone, and that was before the days of easy backup, or yeah. I didn't even know what backing up was yeah. back then. Uh, so, yeah, there, I, there's still a couple like left on my Facebook, maybe my Flickr account, if that's even still active. I have no idea. Page. Well, how's your MySpace page? MySpace page. page I actually am friends with MySpace Tom in real life. I haven't met him, but we're, we chat. We're Facebook friends because uh, we've talked about doing some projects together. He's a really awesome photographer now. Yeah, that's our Yeah, project. MySpace Tom. Um, yeah, my MySpace page is still kicking. We're going to be big on MySpace. I'm yeah. telling you. It's just we are. It's a I'm new thing. You. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be yeah. amazing. <laughs> wait, wait, so what exactly is MySpace now? Isn't it for all for like musicians? Or is it visual at all? Justin Timberlake took it over. Or he had something big to do. I don't even know what he happened. He took it over for he, a while, but I think he sold his interest in it. Yeah, he realized that it was a losing cause, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard to enter that kind of you know genre with when you're going up against Facebook and Instagram right. and these powerhouses. So, um, yeah, I'm not sure what happened in MySpace, but I still have a page out there somewhere. If you want, really want to see embarrassing photos of me, go search for my name, MySpace, and you'll find them. I'm doing that right now. <laughs> yeah. 
Can we make a video of this, please? And you can just put all the, the photos up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll put them on your page. Sweet. Sure. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So I went to Costa Rica, got all these photos, and my love for photography began. And I just gradually started practicing, taking more and more photos around my hometown of San Francisco. Back then, I don't live there anymore, but... Um, yeah, and it kind of blossomed into a semi-career. I like I was, your profile photo on this MySpace is page. That, you found my MySpace? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you oh, got man. the 70 to 200 wrapped around your neck. You're holding it up. You got like a flannel shirt on with glasses and a hood on. Wait, what? Turn yeah. that around. Let me see that. <laughs> I don't believe him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that guy? Uh, yeah. Who is yeah, that guy? <laughs> that's a young Mike. Uh, man. That's crazy. I mean, you have a quote on the page that says, if my clothes, camera, and tripod aren't dirty, then I'm not trying hard enough. <laughs> wise words from a wise man. Clearly. Michael Bonacor. Yes. yes. That was, uh, I needed a tagline when I first started my photography company back then, I guess. I needed a tagline, and that came to me right away. Like, you know, because I really like getting dirty when I'm taking pictures. I'm not, you know, my knees are in the mud. And yeah, you I'm, probably can't avoid it in the places you go. Yeah, definitely can't avoid it. None of the places I go uh, all over the world. It's dirty, it's dusty, it's muddy, it's snowy, it's rainy. Um, so, yeah, Sony. Uh, my friends at Sony who are very good to me, they get, uh, they, <laughs> they get a little mad because I send my cameras in for cleaning and repairs. They're a little to, messy. To my friends at Precision Camera, they do a great job because I give them literally some of the dirtiest, most... <laughs> messed up cameras and lenses in the world because I'm not I'm not staying clean in the field I'm I'm getting really dirty and uh yeah so that quote came to me out of nowhere and uh not necessarily that it's great but I'm just too lazy to really update it especially on my MySpace page yeah. which you don't even know the stalker Gary somehow found <laughs> well, you literally told me to search your name in MySpace you know what's yeah. funny is I didn't even see him typing anything yeah. so I'm pretty sure he already had that up before I even no, came in the room no it was a mind melt <laughs> he just he's one with his computer so how, how did you turn rolling around in the mud into into getting clients well the clients I have now I didn't have yeah. back when I really started in photography I actually shot weddings family portraits, that kind of stuff, and it bored the hell out of me. Um, it stressed me out. Weddings was very stressful for me. I hated them. Sure. And uh, so, yeah, I, I quickly realized that that wasn't fun for me. I needed to get out of that, um, you know, kind of photography genre. I randomly stumbled upon travel photography by um, talking with a friend of mine, Colby Brown, and he was starting a company called The Giving Lens. And he said, hey, we've got a trip coming up to Peru to work with a nonprofit organization down there. Mm -hmm. uh, the Giving Lens, we work with nonprofit organizations around the world. So he's like, hey, man, you want to come? And I'm like, yeah, cool. So I went down, and uh, six of us went to Peru, worked with a nonprofit, checked out Machu Picchu, did the whole thing. And The Giving Lens was born. But at that point, that's when my travel photography addiction began because I didn't, you know, this was absolutely incredible working in these remote villages where tourists don't go. And right. we're working with these kids in these villages and, you know, we walk into them and they look at us like we're crazy, you know, like. So tell our audience what the Giving Lens is. What, what does yeah. the charity do? So the Giving Lens, we run photography workshops around the world, photography workshops, trips, tours, whatever you want to call them. Uh, we teach photography to the team members that come with us of all different skill levels. But when we get together and go down as a team to these countries, Jordan, Morocco, Peru, Tanzania, Uganda, et cetera, et cetera, we work with a nonprofit on the ground. That nonprofit on the ground is usually a children's 
advocacy uh, organization. So we work with the kids by bringing them donated cameras, and we teach them photography. These are very underprivileged kids from the barrios, from the slums, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we teach them photography as a way of learning how to express themselves, but most importantly, a way of staying off the streets. These kids get into a lot of trouble by... You know, their parents, their families do not come from a lot of money. Their parents might go out and make $5 a day doing their two jobs. Mm -hmm. And what happens is they send, one day they decide to send little Johnny out to the temples and sell trinkets to the tourists. And little Johnny comes home with $20. Well, that's four times what the parents made that day. Mm -hmm. Why? Because little Johnny's cute and he can sell these trinkets to the tourists. So the next day, the parents send him back out back out, back out, back out, because they need the money. Right. Next thing you know, the kids, you, you realize it's Tuesday morning, He's and the kid is school. not in school. Yeah. And before you know it, you have a kid who's completely dropped out or been expelled from school. And at that point, there's no turning back. Yeah, he's still selling stuff. He's still making a semi-good you know, living for his family. But eventually, that cuteness starts to wane when they get older. And with the waning cuteness comes the fading profits right and all of a sudden you have a 16 17 18 year old kid with no education no No opportunity usable skills no opportunity and what happens is you know they start to get into trouble but what we see a lot of times is they start realizing hey when i was a kid i was cute and i used to make all this money maybe if i have a kid i can have this my cute kid go out and make us money because I'm not making money. And so the next thing you know, they're having kids. At 16, 17 years old, oh, yeah. they're having kids. Oh, yeah. yeah and the cycle God, of poverty continues. Terrifying. Yeah. And so then that kid is brought up the same way. And yeah, it's, it's something you don't really think about until you're really like faced with that mm-hmm. situation, you know, front and center. And that's why I try to educate people about it. And as hard as it can be, which is this is why you should never give money to kids in developing countries for anything, whether they're begging or they want you to pay them a dollar to take their photo or they're selling trinkets. Like, even if it's something really cool, you really want, like you got to think about the repercussions of that. You're giving that kid five bucks for something that you want. Sure. But you're furthering his cycle of poverty, his cycle of poverty, because you're contributing to the fact that that kid doesn't need to go out and work, get his education and, stay in school for uh, better so who's who's project. funding the giving lens how do the how do you guys fund these trips the team members that come with us they pay obviously for it so it's like a typical workshop okay um you know depending on where we're going and the costs involved you know the price can fluctuate but like uganda we just came back from and we go gorilla trekking in uganda after we we work with the kids for about four days, and then we, in each country, we work with the kids for a couple of days, really involved with them and their families and their homes. But then we'll go do kind of what the country is known for. Peru will go to Machu Picchu, Jordan will go to Petra, Serengeti will go on safari, or uh, Tanzania will go on safari in the Serengeti. Uganda, we went gorilla trekking. You know, gorilla trekking in Uganda is $600 just for the one hour permit. So it's a very, yeah, so we have to factor in all those types of costs, but we keep the price extremely low because we don't make any money off it. So we're still extremely low priced and we're not staying in the four seasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we know how to really budget the money, whereas it's not uncomfortable, but it's, you know, it's, it's a great way to really explore the world and um, learn about this 
photography, giving back through photography that, that we believe in at a very easy to swallow price point, you know? What, what's your production process? Like, how do you even learn about um, hanging out with gorillas? <laughs> do, I, how, do you get, how do you get there and how do you get other people there safely and plan that entire thing? The folks on the ground. So usually the NGOs are a huge help. Obviously, all the NGOs we work with, the people who live there in the country, and their, you know, their families are there, and they've grown up there, and uh, they know all the drivers and all the tour guides and everything like that. So uh, we just rely on the NGO partner that we have to kind of help us organize all these uh, types of tours and you know anything outside of working with the kids in the schools mm-hmm. and. Um, we basically rely on them to. There are fixers on the right. ground. So gotta so. have a fixer. <laughs> Always gotta, gotta have, have a fixer. fixer. Gotta have a fixer. So when you're going to these places and, and teaching kids ph- photography there, is there is there anything you leave them with? Do you, do, they, do they get like a, a camera to keep practicing with? Because how do you make that sustainable for them to to keep going? Yeah, exactly. So this is a. It's kind of like the Houston Astros rebuilding, right? Like, they had to start from somewhere, and now they're in the World Series, which is awesome. Farm club. Go Houston. Yeah. Because I hate the Dodgers, so. Wait. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. They're in the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. Houston. Tied. Yeah. One and by the time piece. this comes out, maybe It'll they will have one. <laughs> Hopefully. Somebody uh, will have one by the yeah. time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so these process of working with these organizations isn't just we go for one year and then we leave and job's done right this is a annual process we go back to the same country work with the same organization the same kids year after year after year oh you're actually working with the same kids same kids year after year after year so you're really trying to affect that particular life correct yeah Yeah. so these kids they're in these after these ngos are basically think of after school programs that uh will help the kids study they have tutors um you know, arts programs like photography and dance and painting and mm-hmm. Cuba, we work with the skateboard organization and it's a bunch of skateboard kids. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, that's an organization that's trying to keep them involved and off the streets and out of trouble. So, so yeah, these kids, you know, we go down there Nicaragua is a great example of one of our highly successful programs. We work with an organization down there called empowerment international And we've been working with these kids for five, six years, and we've watched them grow up from, you know, 13, 14 years old. And now some of the ones we've been working with for that long, Armando is a great example. Armando is now a graphic designer. You know, this kid came from the Barrios, and he had no real future. He got into this program, got into the photography program because he was good in school. In order to stay in these programs, the NGOs require you to have a good attendance record, high grades in school, and then you get the privilege of being in the photography program. <laughs> so when they do that, um, you know, so they have to work for it to, to get that privilege of being able to use a camera and be in the photography program. But like Armando and Anyelka are two great kids down in Nicaragua. Armando is a graphic designer now. Um, Anyelka is a manager of a hotel. Both are amazing photographers. Armando makes videos. Um, he's an incredible photographer. All those kids that we've been working with, I mean, they're better than me. You know, they are really good photographers. Right they opened a gallery in downtown Granada where they actually have a gallery, an actual photography gallery where tourists can go in and buy prints. And all that money goes back to the NGO, obviously. Awesome. And so that's the model that we look for when we're identifying organizations and working with them. It's not a one-year, 
you know, fixer, you know, we come in, we fix the problem and we leave. It's a long-term process. All right. You, you really can't fix a problem in a very short period of time and expect it to take root. Correct. Well, not with that attitude, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Really? Need some positivity, Rob. All right, so where are all the places that you guys participate in? Um, starting from Central America, we got like uh, Nicaragua, Cuba, Peru, and then we've got Morocco, Tanzania, Uganda, Thailand. Are you Cambodia. going to these places every year? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of travel. How much are you I'm on not, the road? I'm not personally going to all of them, so yeah. I, I lead maybe more than half of them. Okay. But I'm not personally going to all of them. Some of them, I've, that sounds impossible to do. Yeah, all that. it's really hard, especially with I've got to do a lot of travel for resource travel as well for you know big magazine productions and film productions, and those take three four weeks. So I've got a lot of travel with that too. I just there's no way I could go to all the countries. How much are you on the road? It's about seven months a year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So where do you call home? Boise, Idaho. Boise, Idaho. Where are you originally from? Philadelphia to Cleveland to Los Angeles to San Francisco Bay Area. But San Francisco, I was in for 21 years, and so that's what home. I consider home. How'd you end yeah. up in Boise, Idaho, after San Francisco? Long story short, brother moved there, convinced my parents to move there, uh, who then didn't convince me to move there, but I went there and I loved it. And by the time my parents had moved out of California, there was nothing left for me there. I traveled so much, and I was burning money pretty much in the Bay Area on rent. And, and never there. And I was never there. And I went to Idaho, and I did a month-long road trip with the tourism board for Resource Travel, Resource Magazine. Did a really cool magazine feature on it. Winter road trip through Idaho, snowboarding and snowmobiling and just doing really cool stuff. Such a beautiful state. And I fell in love with it. And it was just what I needed at the time. And I didn't really have anything keeping me in San Francisco anymore, so I moved there. And now I love it. I wish I had done it sooner. Hmm. So what else about Idaho do you Boise? Like, what do you do in Boise when you're there? We have a lot of great breweries, a lot of great bars, great restaurants. I see a common denominator uh, yeah, it here. It seems yeah. that drinking is a theme. <laughs> it's a drinking so city. You're yeah. either traveling or you're drinking. Pretty much. Or yeah. you're drinking while you travel. Yeah. 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 Pretty yeah. much. Makes sense. All right. Yeah. So where have all the places you've been to this, this year? Uh, this year, I just got back from um, Uganda and Tanzania for five weeks, both giving lens trips. So... Giving Lens Tanzania, then I hung around for about 12 days in uh, Zanzibar to kill time until Uganda started. Um, before that, I went to Thailand. Um, I don't even know, man. <laughs> they all blend together. You got to look at your calendar. Yeah, they all blend together. It's the closest it's... you've come to death. Oh, man. <laughs> one, time in, <laughs> one time in Namibia, uh, we were driving ourselves actually we were in Botswana sorry we were doing a road trip through Namibia but there's a little sliver of northeast Namibia that goes into a very small part of Botswana and that's called Chobe National Park it's the largest concentration of elephants in the world in this national park so we went in and it was a single track uh, sandy road and we're photographing the elephants from afar. They're in the river bathing. It was wet season, so we thought they'd be way more spread out, which they were, but there was still way more than we thought there was going to be. There was hundreds. And so we're photographing the elephants, and everything's going great. I work with an elephant sanctuary in Thailand, so I, I feel very comfortable around elephants mm-hmm. and uh, maybe too comfortable. And so we're just in there photographing them, and then we decide to drive a little further to 
uh, get another angle of a you know different uh, family. And all of a sudden, a giant bull elephant jumped out from behind a tree right in front of our pickup truck. Must have been a wide tree. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They jumped out from many trees. I don't know. I didn't see him. Uh, He came out of nowhere, and he jumped right in front of the car. And when he jumped in front of the car, you know, it was shocking. But then he, the stance he took was right in front of us, staring at us. And when an elephant's ears, you know, flap like that, that means they're really pissed. Really? Like super pissed. Same yeah. with Rob. When yeah. his ears start when flapping. Ears They're flap. doing that right now. Yeah, you know it's uh, something bad's going to mm-hmm. happen when my ears flap. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, so this his ears are flapping, and he's trumpeting really loud, and he's walking closer to the car. And I'm like thinking of ways we can get out of this. We're in a single-track sand road, so there's no way for us to quickly turn around. Mm-hmm. There's no way for us to gun it and go past him somehow, not like it's a big concrete road. So I'm thinking, there's no way out of this. The only way to get out is to reverse. But I remember one of our guides in Namibia telling us, worst thing you could ever do with an elephant is run, is back up from it, is walk away. Worst thing you can do, because that automatically triggers something in their head to chase and stomp. Yeah. And so (laughs) I'm going through all the scenarios in my head. I'm like, there is no way out of this. There is zero way out of this. We can knock it out of this. So sat in the car and... Kind of made peace with myself for a minute. I thought I was going to die because he kept coming closer. He got close enough where his trunk started going on the hood, and he started tapping the hood of the pickup truck with his hood. Did you honk the horn? Or did you not? No. 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 That's going to make the ears really flat. (laughs) And I remember the guy telling me also, stare at him. Just stare him down. Stare him down. Don't back up. Don't move. Just stare him down and look, you know. So I'm sitting there staring. My eyes were bug-eyed i mean they're already always bug-eyed to begin with <laughs> they must have been like popping out of my head you know Bulbous. <laughs> like Schwar- like schwarzenegger in the end yeah. of total recall when he oh, yeah. his helmet breaks on the on mars and his <laughs> eyes are popping out that was <laughs> that was probably me and uh yeah man i've never been so scared and uh what finally happened he kept coming towards the car and he just kept doing the same thing it lasted about a minute maybe a minute and a half and then all of a sudden he just stopped Turn left and walk down to the river. You know why? Why? Your bulbous eyes freaked yeah. him out. <laughs> so what was it like shitting your pants in, in a car? <laughs> I didn't get the deposit back on that car. <laughs> uh, that's too funny. Well, all right, so you've been traveling a lot. What's another close call? What was just another thing that was unexpected and, whoa, that was, that was dangerous? Oh, man. Hmm. You know, this is, re- this is really funny because I, I had something that I was thinking about not too long ago, and now I totally can't remember it. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to remember. I, I, What's the most inconvenient I'll, country that you, you don't <laughs> like going to? What countries are you love, never going to go back to? I, love go- I will always go back to a country, no matter what. You don't have any countries you never go back to? Nope, and I never oh. will. There's always something positive and amazing to be found in every country, no matter how much it pisses you off the first time you go. Very optimistic. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you've never been to the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've been to Papua New Guinea twice. I'll never go back. No way. Really? Yeah, no way. Why? I love your shots in there, by the way. It's the most inconvenient place in the world. It is all the men, most of them, are just complete dirtbags. Uh, met a, a few nice people, but just 
the instances of rape are super high. It's, you know, super dangerous, both from the people living there that are, you know, just trying to make a living and, you know, might rob you, but also just your health, you know, Jap- Japanese encephalitis. You know, you, if you get that, two things happen. Door number one, your mental retardation. And I don't need any more of that. No, you've, you, you know what? You've door door maxed is, out on that. Door number two is death. Yeah. Yeah. Malaria. Another that. thing to I avoid. mean, malaria is not that big. You, you, you pop your pills and it's not that big of a deal. But, oh, just inconvenient. Yeah. That place. Every single one of our flights canceled. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's uh, it's kind of par for the course. Somebody dropped a bottle cap. Yeah, yeah that Gary. was... That was Rob. <laughs> Rob. Damn it, Rob. God damn it, Rob. All right, so you're, you're traveling a lot mm-hmm. <laughs> through the giving lens. Who are, who are your clients that are paying you to, to do photography outside of that? Uh, I work with a lot of tourism boards. So most of my other work comes from um, resource travel, resource mag. So what happens with those clients is we will get a – usually it's a photography industry type company uh, to – you know, want to be a part of some of the crazy ideas I come up with. So, you know, I'll say, for instance, I'm going to Tahiti for a month. This is something you guys would love. In December, I'm going for is almost that an a, invite. Yeah, I've got. I, I need a team of four. Yeah. Just putting that out there. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to Tahiti for a month to island hop between six islands. It's called the Marquesas Islands, and we're either going to get our own catamaran. And this is all oh, being cool. taken care of by the Tahiti Tourism Board. That's, this is their idea, and this is the job they, they suggested to me. I'm like, yeah. So we're either going to get our own catamaran or the other way, and both are going to be great stories. I haven't decided which one, but the other way is actually living on a container ship between islands. And so you know, the, the container ship goes and brings supplies to each of the islands. And yeah. so every two or three days, the ship comes through the island, and I can just hop on and sleep in one of the extra cabins You know, with all the all the semen and uh hey what are you doing those what are you doing in those rooms i would do the catamaran myself based on that information i say you would do the catamaran yourself rob that's why there's so much semen lord i've had to be proper all day it's been very uh hard Uh, there's no proper with rggedu so uh left that behind yeah So, yeah, so jobs like that where a tourism board will suggest it to me. Then, or I come up with these crazy ideas. I want to go live in a polar bear conservation um, group for about a month and document the work that they do. So I go to camera companies, lens manufacturers, bag companies, hard drive companies, you know, whatever, uh, whoever. Yeah, who's ever in the industry. And I say, hey, do you want to be a part of this? Uh, Here's how I think you can help. And, uh, yeah, so we do a lot of those jobs. Um, Outside of resource travel, you know, most of that work is tourism board and, and camera and photography industry business. And then outside of that, I do some, like, music videos. My buddies, Brothers Comatose, are a pretty awesome bluegrass band. Um, pretty big, getting, getting really big. Um, and I've been making some music videos for them. I'll do some local kind of, you know, brand work, lifestyle photos or something for a local, you know, brewery or a local sunglass company or whatever the case may be uh yeah so that's pretty much how i you know not be a completely starving artist yeah, yeah. pretty you starving don't, you but don't you don't want to be completely starving i'm 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 not completely starving because they invented something called top ramen oh yeah, yeah. hey there yeah. you go yeah. so wanna, i just know a trick to really spice up your ramen 
scoop of peanut butter. Really? Oh yeah. Ugh. Put a little peanut butter in there. That sounds horrible. Think, about, think about it. How many? How much Thai food do you get that has peanuts in it? I avoid it because I hate peanuts. Oh well, that's because you have two daughters that are allergic. Yeah. So oh, you can't. Yeah. 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 I use uh, island teriyaki. So, uh, soy bay island teriyaki you guys know that no you don't have that in st louis island teriyaki I don't know it it's called the the bottle is the company is called soy bay and they make something called island teriyaki it's a teriyaki type sauce but it's so good and i just pour a bunch of that into an instant lunch you know or and top it gets ramen. you where you need to be oh it's so good man how how is the food situation when you're traveling when you're going to all these remote places and again Photographing elephants who are about to stomp mm-hmm. you in your pickup truck into, into nothing. What are you eating when the elephant's about to stomp you? Uh, spiders, snakes, yeah, you know, <laughs> whatever I can find. Uh, actually, but that's true. Do you I eat will spiders? Eat. Oh, really? I've eaten tarantula, snakes. Um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, ants. Out of necessity or out of a like, just okay, I'm going to try this. It's so, yeah. It's it's out of necessity or out of I'm going to try this. I like to really try to ingrain myself in the culture of wherever I'm visiting. I like to really experience what they experience. Like I love kangaroos. I think kangaroos are freaking cute. You know, kangaroos are awesome, but Hey, look, I went to Australia and had kangaroo. It's like, mm-hmm. you, you kind of just have to, it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't necessarily agree with all that. Um, a lot of, you know, some, some of the ways some things are handled in the world, but, uh, I was talking this morning on this panel about how I, it's, you know, I love animals. I love dogs. I love, you know, I have a, a big soft spot for the plight of the Asian elephants. Would you go to China and have dog? No, I would not do that. Yeah, I guess it's yeah, kind of you weird. Wouldn't. You're I'm right. Looking, I'm looking at you. I'm thinking <laughs> you're going to do it. I mean, you're that's, right. that's a festival and they kill yeah. tens of thousands no, of dogs. You're totally right. And that it is contradictory in my yeah, head because be rude. I say on one hand, I want to live the culture and I'm and I don't want to be judgmental so yeah. I try not to be judged no it's matter okay to draw the line with dogs yeah but like dogs man I'm just such a dog fanatic yeah. like I'd have a major problem with that um but they yeah it's just kind of one of those things where I got to as hard as it can be like I've eaten some weird stuff you know that I've gone into houses and and the families have offered me this and that and and it, there's some weird stuff that they like a guinea pig in in Peru is that's their national meal in it's Peru guinea pig. is guinea pig. Wow, you can get guinea pig everywhere. Is there guinea bacon? Guinea skinny bacon. Guinea bacon. bacon. Just like uh, little tiny bacon yeah. strips. Okay, the answer cannot be chicken. What does a tarantula taste like? Chicken. Rectum. No, it can't be chicken. <laughs> it tastes like rectum. It's more, oh. yeah, it's actually more of like a pork rind because it's when they deep fry it. Yeah. Right, and so they deep fry it, so it's crispy. The legs are crispy. Oh, you just eat the legs. It's kind of like a pork rind or oh, like a Cheeto. Did it taste? But like hairy, a hairy Cheeto. A hairy Cheeto. Yeah, imagine a hairy Cheeto. Oh. Yeah, I'm passing on that. <laughs> yeah, no, none of it's good. Yeah, so yeah. You, it's disgusting. You would offend it's... the local chief, Rob? <laughs> no, 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 because no, I'm, I'm sure he'd scalp me if I if I offended him. So I'd probably eat the tarantula. Yeah, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, yeah you would totally do it. Oh yeah, yeah. make a tarantula sandwich. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> right, I'd put it in a burrito. Let me show you something about that tarantula. Oh, Works great in a burrito. And then you yeah. put peanut butter in that burrito, too. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of peanut butter. A little bit of peanut you butter know, on that tarantula if, goes if a you're long e- way. Just a if you're eating ramen, butter. you got a jar of peanut butter in the, in the cabinet, too. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. So I've eaten some weird stuff, man. But, yeah. I just try not to be judgmental and... Um, 
you know. You're kind of like Anthony Bourdain meets Dan Blazarian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, actually, Dan, Dan is Dan's an interesting character. I, you know, I can I can go without him. Uh, I do follow him on Instagram because I mean, because why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I do follow him on Instagram. But like, you know, but Anthony Bourdain. I mean, that guy is. I love that. I man. love that guy too. He's, He's amazing. He, I would love to have dinner with with him. Yeah, I mean, that would be amazing mm-hmm. to sit down with Anthony. Bourdain. Yeah, there's a couple people in this world that yeah, just I'm like. If I could only just sit down and have a beer with him, you know. Yeah. Uh, Larry David's another one. I'd love to sit down with Larry David. Yeah, he'd be fun. That would be really, really, pretty, really, pretty, really awesome. pretty, pretty fun. Pretty, pretty. <laughs> Rob's not a big Curb Your Enthusiasm. Oh, Rob. You no, I like, like, I like oh, you are. Yeah, oh. absolutely. What I love season Larry are you David. on? No, I haven't seen it in a long time. But, oh, yeah. Um, see see what good. I'm talking about? See, see what I got to work with over I'm here? I'm busy raising my family. <laughs> I've got a family. Excuses, excuses. Yeah, so I'm you up. know who they are. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess what? I brought one of them with me oh, on this trip. Oh, yeah, you, you left yours I behind. I left mine at home. Oh, That's yeah. Right. Yep. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, why, this is why, you know, I haven't started a family yet because... You're on the road seven months a year. That would be but uh, look, I don't have to worry about anything, right? Right. You yeah. can eat ramen. You guys are here, you know, comparing how many kids you brought. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here drinking whiskey and, uh, and black and tan. Right. Yeah. Well, to be fair, we're sitting here drinking black and tans That's and, true. and whiskey, and That's true. That's we've got point. kids. I didn't think about that. <laughs> we actually do this all day long, um, as yeah. opposed to just one time. And to be fair, we're also having coffee, so we're balancing it out. Yeah. Right? You got to. All right, so tell me another story. What else you got? What else you got knocking around up there? Oh, man. Do you want funny, or you want, like, yeah, what's heartfelt? The, what's the funniest thing that's oh, happened? Man. Funniest thing? Oh, you're putting me on the spot here. The last time well, you, the when was the last the time podcast. you laughed so hard you cried, or shat yourself? Um, yeah, when's the last probably time you- talking to you, probably last year at a <laughs> black and white party. <laughs> you shat yourself at the black. No, and white party? No, I, la- I laughed myself till I cried. I think it was that was a fun party last that was a good, year. Man. That was a good one. Did you go to the first year we did it four years ago where there was a half naked man? Yeah, Matthew Silver. Yeah, yeah. of course. I was there back. with the rubber chick. He's gonna be back tonight. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, well, I was going to say you, can't, you shouldn't you have ruined those the, bug eyes when that happened. Well, I was going to say you shouldn't have ruined the surprise, but then I remember we're not live, and this yeah. isn't going to air until after oh, yeah, the party yeah, happens. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I'm the only one that knows, and I feel kind of cool that I'm in the know. Yeah. You are kind of cool. For, yeah. But only for that reason. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> over under how many minutes it takes for Peter Hurley to take his shirt off and start dancing with Matthew Silver? How many takes? How, How many, many minutes, minutes will it minutes? take for Hurley to get? Does he do that now? Does he take a shot? No, but I'm going to try to force him to do that because I think that would be amazing. I think it's going to take 90 minutes. 90 uh, minutes. Yeah, we only have Matthew for 90 minutes, so. Oh yeah. I, that yeah. It's about so right, at the, right at the end. Right, it's like, he's going to leave right now. You <laughs> yeah. have to do it. It's yeah. 90 minutes. Well, let's get a chant going tonight, Peter. Yeah. Peter. I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pull up photos of Hurley back in his modeling days when he's doing that row. You know, you've, oh, seen, yeah. the, you've seen his row oh, yeah, photo. Oh, yeah. I have yeah. it on my wall. Yeah. Friends are really big. I mean, it's, it's I a, mean no, I don't. <laughs> you have the Peter Hurley calendar, and it's just that photo every month. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really cool to change the month. <laughs> that, <yeah. laughs> Can we see the same photo? Can we do that? Yeah. Let's oh. do that. Do, Let's do we, that. And every we, every month, there's just a new Instagram filter on the same photo. Yeah. Okay, you know what we need to do? <laughs> Is there any way we can print that and have that ready by tonight? No, but yeah. next yes. year we could. Yes, yeah. no, absolutely. It's 5 o'clock. We could have calendars made to get It's out New tonight. York City, bet, Rob. Yeah, absolutely. You can do anything here. It would be awesome to actually give Walgreens? out a Peter Hurley calendar where every month is the same image of him yes. shirtless rowing. Yeah. Oh. By tonight. 
Where's the rest of our posse? Where did they I all know. go? They should they're be setting we, up. Can we get someone on that? They're actually setting up the party. They're at the party right now, setting up. Can you call them and be like, hey, we, uh, need a Peter Hurley <laughs> we have a calendar. weird request. Here's a uh, topless picture of Peter Hurley. Can you put this on 500 right, yeah. calendars? Michael, here's the thing. It, it's not going to be that weird of a request. I mean, our crew is like, our, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We can do that. Like, yeah, that's it? Yeah. Yeah, we got that. Actually, here comes somebody right now. So, Kevin? Oh, there's Kevin. We need a calendar made, a 12-month calendar made by tonight, all of the same picture of Peter Hurley. Can you make that happen for us? Can you get on? Can you? Get and we on need we need chat? like 200 copies because we're going to hand them out at the party. Yeah. <laughs> but remember, I definitely get reserved one because yeah. I came up with this idea. You're gonna, so. yeah. oh. We're you got to save this for me. We're yeah, going to give you the you. credit for it, too. Thank you. We got you. <laughs> All right, so what does the next 12 months for you look like? Um, more of the same. I'm, uh, as I said, I've got this big Tahiti project coming up in December. Um, what are your big life goals? India, what November. Are you, what are you trying to make happen? In, in you November? know, really just um, grow resource travel to the way that I envision it and the way I know it can be grown. Uh, the problem with resource travel... Not a problem, but I do, I'm 99% of it. So I'm the editor-in-chief, I'm the head writer, I'm the head filmmaker, I'm the head yeah. photographer. I do everything. I do, I do all the sales, I do all the, you know, everything. Um, producing, all that kind of stuff. Um, planning, I do everything. So it's a real pain for me. And if I just, I'm not very organized. So if I need to better my organization, become more streamlined, and learn how to delegate. I'm a terrible delegator. Like, I don't know how to delegate because I'm so, like... It's difficult. I'm, I, I, yeah. I'm not a control freak, but it's just kind of like... I don't know. I just like be doing everything myself because then... Because I'm so unorganized at times that when I do things myself, it's organized in my head. I know how I did it. I know I did this. I know what I said in that email. And when I bring other people into the mix, I feel like I'm one step behind because I feel like, oh, what did you say in the email or... Where did you put this, or how did you do, you know? And I've got to learn to, you know, get over that. And so my biggest uh, New Year's resolution, I guess that's what you're asking, Gary. Sure. Um, Besides spend more time with you two. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to uh, Tahiti, so what month is it? Oh, yeah. December. December. All right. Tahiti. Yeah. You guys are usually busy in December, but... Tahiti. We usually are, but not this year. Not Not this year. Not this year. Thanks a lot, Hurricane. really sad. Yeah. I heard the uh, bad news. Yeah. I can't believe that. The, that first hurricane was coming by, and it was like, oh, man. Oh, it missed Puerto Rico. Oh, great. And then it was like, another one? Mm-hmm. Another big one? Are you kidding one. me? So, I, yeah, I ran into Alistair last night from uh, Smug Mug, Alistair yeah. Jolly. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, we were talking Jolly about Jolly by name, Jolly by nature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, you know, you know what the best episode of the RGG podcast was? And I go, no. He goes, episode two. <laughs> and I go, really? Why? And he goes, because it was me. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. Cool. I was like, how did that happen? He was like, yeah, remember I went to Puerto Rico with them? And I was yeah. like, oh, I forgot because Gary invited me on that trip and I couldn't make it happen because I was out of the country or something. And he was like, dude, it was so fun. It was a yeah. great trip. I'm like, yeah. don't tell me that. Yeah. Like, you're just going to make me jealous. And he's like, no, I'm going to tell you. It was yeah. insanely awesome. And I'm yeah, like, so a little bit more about that event. We started doing, actually, this podcast was the, the reason we did it. We mm-hmm. organized something called the Influencer Event and found a 40-person compound in Puerto Rico that I actually found when I was producing the shoot with Dixie Dixon in Brazil. A thousand bucks a night. And it was like, oh, man, let's just get it for five nights and invite everyone we know. 
and have a, a good time. And we actually launched and did all the podcasts down there. And now we're trying to do it every year with their friends and family and some of our audience. And a and, good time uh, was had. And we were going to go back. Had. And now we're supposed to go down in December, but... There's nothing to go down to, unfortunately. Yeah. Bummer. How many people can fit? Uh, in that place, there was uh, 40, but we rented an entire hotel. We rented out oh a rehabbed old mansion. Really beautiful place. Called the Gallery Inn, which is an insane place. The Gallery Inn. It's awesome. Rented out the whole place and had it almost completely booked. Uh, but then the hurricane happened. And, and you haven't heard back from her no, at all. Can't, yeah. I, no, can't, no, no response whatsoever. Oh, so this year it was going to be a different location. It was going to be yeah, at this in, mansion. In yeah. Old San Juan. Gotcha. This, in Old this San Juan. Hotel. Um, well, yeah, it looks like you're coming to Tahiti. Now we're going to Tahiti. Yeah, we can't. We, we were even talking about going down um, to Puerto Rico and seeing if we could still have the influencer event, but spend also spend time helping and, and yeah. being part of the relief effort. And it's that's not even really a viable thing for us to do. Um, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate that, that that they've been whomped. Yeah, it's actually really um, that brings up a great point because I wrote a very heartfelt article after the Nepal earthquake, however many years ago that was, two three years ago, whatever. And that Nepal earthquake was t- horrible. Um, you know, leveled so much and caused so much destruction and, and pain and death and oh, it was terrible. But I remember after that happened, I remember all these people on Facebook going, I want to go to Nepal and help. I want to go to Nepal and help. And um, on Facebook and Instagram and all these people were talking about going to Nepal. And I wrote a very heartfelt article that was like, dear photographers, please don't get on a plane to Nepal. Yeah. And I go into all the reasons why. It's like they don't have enough food. They don't have enough water. They don't have ener- They don't have electricity. Yeah. They don't have all this stuff. Yeah, they don't need to you're worry about you. You're going and yeah. you're one extra body yeah. that you know has to be cared for that has to eat that has to drink um you know you're just getting in the way you know there's a time and a place to go and help and you know it could be now in puerto rico i don't know it's it's you know but there's a time and a place where you can actually be effective effective and there's a time and a place when you aren't and too many times people don't know that and they go and they try to help and they wind up becoming a burden and uh getting in the way so to speak and so, yeah, it's, that's, that's tricky. And it's, it sucks because I, I talk to people about that, and their hearts are good. Their hearts are in the right place. They want to go help. Like, we all want to go help when something bad happens. But, you know, nine times out of ten, you going to help right away, right after it happens, actually does a lot more harm than good. So, so how long do you think you can keep up this pace of seven months? In uh, are you always going to be, like, the traveling man? Is it, well, is it I'm in a, your DNA? Rob, I'm only 23. So, well, that's yeah, that's yeah, true. I've got so many years ahead of me. Doing this. <laughs> Spent How 20... old do you think I am? Thirty-six. Oh, he's close. Thirty-eight. I'm thirty-eight now. Just yeah. turned thirty-eight. All right. I just want to make that no, spring chicken. Yeah. Oh, just turned so thirty-eight. You are so young. Technically, I'm still pretty much thirty-seven. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> and just for the record, this guy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Bob Dole in that bathtub with the little blue pill yet. All right. Was Bob Dole in a bathtub? Yeah, he was in Viagra commercials. Was he really? Yeah. Bob Dole was? I don't Bob remember. Bob Dole, that. the presidential candidate and senator, whatever he was. He yeah. did Viagra commercials did from Viagra. a bathtub? Look it up right now on YouTube. Bob Dole Viagra. <laughs> oh, Rob, I don't know if he was actually the in the trailer for season four, which we haven't cut yet. Uh, is Rob Grimm <laughs> naked in a bathtub in Las Vegas? And I'm, I'm actually truly naked. <laughs> Both of you guys, you do the, the two bathtubs side by side where you're holding hands looking over the valley. <laughs> <laughs> Both of you guys. I tell you what, we'll do it in Tahiti because it's got to yeah. be an incredible location. Okay. So you got to hook up the bathtubs and we'll, we'll do it. Yeah. I'm down for it. Oh, my God. Rob, I have another jingle. You ready? 
Sure. Da 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 podcast. Da 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 RGG. Da 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 RGG podcast. What do you think? Not bad. I think yeah. I think it's terrific. Thanks. I think, yeah, I think it's it might be your best work to date. Thank as you. As a matter of fact, this yeah. podcast has like been the uh, melting board of awesome ideas. We've got the Peter Hurley calendar. Yeah. yeah. We've got you two naked in bathtubs holding hands <laughs> yeah. looking over a valley. It, We've got a new jingle. Yeah. 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 We've done it all. Yeah. And for that reason, we are canceling all future podcasts. <laughs> this is it because we can't yeah. get better. Yeah. <laughs> We've officially reached everything we can do on the it's RGG the, podcast. It's this zenith. <laughs> <laughs> and you were here for it. Uh, I was here for it. You, I mean, were, you know, you, you might have been the impetus for it. I think the whiskey too. helped. Oh yeah, the, oh, whiskey always helps. The whiskey, yeah. but I mean, the I mean, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, Rob. But the bottle was almost done <laughs> well, by the time actually, I got here. That was actually Sue Bryce. Oh, whoa, Sue Bryce. Yeah. She kicked it off. Requested that, and uh, I'd say drank half of it. Well, yeah, Sue, you She's have tough. my appreciation and my respect. Sue is tough. Sue Did is you tough. know Sue Bryce has a Cinnabon in what? her studio? She built a Cinnabon in her studio. Isn't that crazy? What? Yeah. Okay, so... It's incredible. Are we going there right after the black and white party tonight? <laughs> yes. It's in L.A., but... <laughs> we can do it. Absolutely. We have our jet waiting. Yeah. yeah. All right, so the last... EDU jet. Last question. What's in your camera bag? What do you travel with? What's oh. Your, what's your go-to gear? What is in my camera bag? I shoot Sony. Besides Quaaludes. Quaaludes. Um, the little blue pill. <laughs> Me and Bob Dole and, and Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Take it religiously. Uh, Sony. I'm a Sony shooter. I have two Sony A7R2s, and they are making it very difficult for me because I keep patiently waiting for them to release a camera. I love Sony, but I keep patiently waiting for a 4K 60 frame per second oh, yeah. Sony camera. Why don't they do that? That's such hey, a you simple know, request. Well, because they have something called the, the FS700. Yeah, yeah, you know, the FS5. Yeah. They have all these camcorders that are high-end that are what ten thousand twelve thousand dollars so they don't want to pirate their own product if line. you start putting that stuff into your your three thousand dollar handheld dslr you're going to be taking away sales from your big twelve thousand dollar camera so that's just my guess i don't know um but obviously the technology's there panasonic's doing it right now with the yeah. gh5 right um canon does it with uh, here's a, here's something i if mm-hmm. anyone from sony's listening we have the fs5 and all I want to do to go from 4K shooting at 24 frames, I want to have a customizable button where I press it and it switches over and you to, don't have to, go to 60 the menus. or it switches over to 120. Mm-hmm. Why isn't that possible? Another thing that gets me is, uh, yeah, <laughs> I love Sony. I feel bad now because I'm just saying what I, the two things that annoy me, but also when I switch between photo and video, it doesn't retain the settings I last left on video or on photo. So, for instance, if I'm shooting, you know, one sixtieth of a second or one thirtieth of a second on video, yeah, and I go to photo and I adjust that to one five hundredth of a second, yeah, and I go back to video, all of a sudden it's back. It's at one five hundredth, yeah, instead of reverting back to the one thirtieth yeah. that I had it locked on. Which that also should be an option in the menu. Do you want to maintain your settings yeah. or do you want to reset to? You know, and it probably is like. I'm sure I'll get comments where it's like, you it dumbass. It's I possible. Yeah. Honestly, the menu is so deep. Yeah. It's crazy. There's I welcome so those comments because yeah. I am deep. a dumbass and I do need help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I want that so bad. And then I want a camera that makes a 4K 60 frame per second. But alas, a new A7R three, which just got released uh, or announced this morning, yes, I think. Yeah. Yes, um, oh, man, it's a beautiful looking camera. Looks amazing. It's everything I'm looking for. 
except the 4K 60 frame per second. But yeah. I might get an upgrade to it, or I might just keep my A7R2s for now, and then I've got a bunch of uh, Sony lenses. Um, you know, I love primes, so I've got a 35 prime and a 50 prime and an 85 prime. 85 prime is my all-time favorite lens. I love 85 prime. Everything an 85 prime does, I love it. You know, it's just the most... Which, which 85 is it? Is it the Batiste? Yep. That's the one I have for Sony. That's but, nice. you know, any 85, any, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. decently made 85 just creates this look that you can't recreate. Yeah. And so I try to reach... I try to shoot Boca. everything. Yeah. It's, and it's just beautiful. It's like everything about it is so perfect at that uh, focal length. You know where we should go? Hmm. Del Boca Vista. Del Boca Vista. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then on our, that's on our way to Boca Raton. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Del Boca Vista. Yeah. Wait, mate, that's where we can film the commercial of you two guys in the tub holding hands. In Del Boca Vista. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I got in my bag. I got Tamron and Sigma Glass, you know, from Canon Mounts sprinkled in there, too. With the, Sigma's uh, crushing it. I think, yeah, I've got I think what uh, they're putting out, especially with the cine lenses. I, I fucking love those. I haven't zooms. used any of the cine lenses yet, oh, and I really beautiful. want to. Um, but yeah, they've they've been making some pretty good glass for a number of years now that I really love. I had the eighty five before I got the Sony eighty five. I'm trying to gradually convert all my stuff over to native uh, Sony mount, so I don't have to use a converter. Yeah, or the adapter. Better way to go. Yeah, much better. But supposedly, I remember what two years ago. We were sitting right here in PPE, and the you know VP or president of Sigma gets asked, "Are you guys ever going to start making stuff for the A7 E mount?" And he goes, "Yes, we're actively working on that." And we were all like, "Yeah!" Two years later, they're Woo-hoo! still active. Two years working. later, we haven't heard anything. So, <laughs> so hopefully, here's here's to uh, Sigma finally making some E mount glass for the Sony A7 series. And also, here's a cheers to you guys sitting oh. in a bathtub overlooking a. Yeah. Beautiful landscape, holding hands, and taking Viagra. That's that's a good way to... (laughs) End the podcast with us in a tub. Yeah. All right. I like being in a tub. Actually, it was pretty funny, me being in the tub in Vegas. That was pretty good. Yeah. Wait, I miss that. It hasn't been been released yet. It'll be be, uh, the trailer for season four, but... um, (laughs) We had this suite that we were recording in in Vegas, and there was a tub right by the window that overlooks Mm -hmm. Vegas. And uh, I just dropped around, got in the tub, and... They filmed me. Nice. As, as I was in the tub. So. Do we need that black bar? Or? No, no, no. Oh, no. We, we edited around that, so oh. we, don't, we don't have to throw a black bar up there. So Implied, you're saying there's Implied not a lot to edit around. Is that what you're trying <laughs> to say? What are you going to see, huh? Well, <laughs> you're trying to say it was easy to hide. Right, it was easy yeah. to hide that stuff. It was <laughs> a black bar, Yeah, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so much trouble. Uh, Dude, oh, thank you for yeah. the conversation. It's been fun. Where can people go That's to New check, York. check out your, your oh, stuff? Yeah, was, and, <laughs> that's New York. Where you, don't forget where we are. It was rather quiet in here for a while. I don't know. Maybe it's just the headphones we have, but I was like, I feel very at peace right now. Yeah. You know? I feel very zen. No, that's I feel like I'm us. in a bathtub in Las Vegas because we put Rob. quaaludes in that whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, where can people find me? They can find me primarily most of my new photo and you know where I'm most active is my Instagram and Facebook. And my Instagram is just at Michael Bonacore, B-O-N-O-C-O-R-E. And uh, Facebook, I'm Bonacore Visual Studios. And then Resource Travel. Keep up with Resource Travel, everything we do. I'm really proud of it. I started Resource Travel with, like, the intention of not being another clickbait type of, you know, machine site, you know, that just 
cranks out all these articles. So even for stuff that I may have like a list kind of type article or whatever, uh, yeah. like 11 reasons why I moved to Idaho is still a very popular article. And, but what I, I, I really work hard on making every, I won't publish an article unless I, I feel that, at, at, you know, everybody's learning at least one thing from the article. Like I don't just post an article with one or two sentences and then an embedded yeah. Vim, Vimeo video, you know, right. I really do my research reasons. He moved to Boise and you'll never guess what yeah. <laughs> you'll never guess. There was what. two bars. Yeah. Cheaper food, God yeah. damn it. They got me. Oh man. Uh, yeah, so so I work I work my ass off on that, and I'm very proud of it. So yeah, check out Resource Travel. Uh, resource dot travel is the website, and then we're on Instagram at Resource Travel and Facebook Resource Travel. Awesome, that's awesome. Thanks, man. Well, we yeah, thanks so much for coming by, fun. and uh, let's get over to that party. I think we should just take microphones with us. Yeah. And continue the podcast at the party. We could do that. Could do that. We won't, but we could. By 11 p.m., I can guarantee the audience will not understand a word. No, the party. The, the party will be loud anyway. We, these. It would be a jumbled mess, which is what it's supposed to be. Yeah, right? I mean, jambalaya. You invited so, me on. Let's get. To, yeah, well, we're not the smartest. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. To download this episode and all of season five, you should know by now because I say it at the end of every one of these damn episodes. Yes, Go to podcast.com and also follow us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Google A, and Stitcher. Stitcher, where it's free and we publish a new episode every Wednesday. And check us Wednesday, out on, Wednesday, on Michael's Wednesday. Facebook page. Yeah. Or it's, uh, MySpace page. Everyone go to Michael yeah. Bonacore MySpace page. <laughs> can There's you write, always so much something. embarrassing shit on there that yeah. I, now I've got to frantically go and erase before. Oh, I guess we're not live yet, so i got yeah. a couple days. Yeah. yeah, we might do a post about this, though, so people yeah. know to go to it. Yeah. Let's not give him any opportunity yeah. to wipe this out. Well, I, it's not like I would remember the password anyway. It's been, it, it, it's been 15 years since I was on that damn website. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks again, man. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Cheers. So my producer just told me that when I publicly announced my compensation for these podcasts... I voided my contract with RGGEDU, and now I get zero dollars awarded to me. That's a shame, but no hard feelings. I hope you all had fun listening, and I'll see you bozos in court. Adios, amigos. Season 5 of the RGGEDU podcast is brought to you by Tenba, who 25 years ago set out to create the most durable, versatile, and well-made bags in the world for photographers and for filmmakers. From shipping to transport, rolling in air cases, to shoulder and messenger bags, day packs and accessories, Tenba never compromises, and neither should you. 